Thanks, Trina. Well, good morning, everyone in this room and to those that are online as well, too. Uh, great to have you joining us and just setting aside this time as we begin to come into uh, our Christmas season, where our theme, uh, we're celebrating the, the greatest gift. And I wonder, wherever you might be, here in this room or online today, uh, what is it that you are hopeful for or hoping for this Christmas? Maybe I want you just to be pondering that for a moment, thinking through what is it that maybe I'm thinking about that I'm hoping for. Well, just to let you know uh, that Julie and I purchased some international tickets to fly overseas. That's what we're hopeful for, or we're hoping that we're going to be able to still fly in 2022. And uh, if you don't know, uh, our youngest son is serving over there in the Marines, and so uh, we are really looking forward to, if it all works out well, uh, haven't seen him in two years, to get over there. That's one of the things that we are hoping for. You know, I wonder what it is for you and you online today as you're thinking about what is it that maybe you are hoping for this Christmas? The reality is we're all hopeful for something. We're all hoping for something. I'm looking at my brother Tim over there who's just had his daughter land here in this country and they've been hoping to see uh, Rachel and Hope for a number of years and uh, it's finally happened. It's come about for them. They are excited about all of that, mate. So I hope that's just a, a blessed time for you. But what is it? You know, the reality is that we are all hoping for something. Maybe it's a, a brighter day or it's a better future. Uh, there's something in that that we are hoping for. You know, I was just thinking this week of, uh, you know, what's kind of happened around the globe. I was thinking of the country of Afghanistan and thinking that there are young children, fatherless or motherless children without families that are living in that country today and in all that's kind of happened that they're hoping for something. Or it's the grieving family who has lost a loved one. Uh, we've heard about that this week or over the last couple of years and they're hopeful for something. Or maybe it's just as you kind of sit here in this place and you begin to think about the future things that maybe you haven't seen loved ones. And we know even in our own country we've been separated that as we begin to possibly emerge out of a global pandemic that we are hopeful now of seeing some family members. See, it doesn't matter what country or what location we might find ourselves in, all of us, Bendagonians and anyone else around the place and globe, we're all longing for something this Christmas. You know, I was thinking this week of another story that I heard, uh, a story of a submarine that on one occasion they were out with other subs and it was rammed, unfortunately, by the other one, sending one of them to the bottom of the ocean. And as emergency help came in, ships came in and divers went down, there was that real sense of, are there any survivors in this sub? And as one of the divers went down, he heard this strange noise going on. Wasn't quite sure what it was and then he realized it was somebody inside of the submarine who was tapping. They were tapping a Morse code and they were asking the question, is there any hope? It's the question that you might be asking if you found yourself in that predicament. And maybe that's the question that some of us are asking right now, is there any hope? And I think it was certainly the question that a group of people, uh, saw, you know, a number of years prior to us, in fact, some 2,500 years ago, were actually asking uh, in the nation of Israel a question that might have been on their lips as well too, as they were living in the time of uh, Isaiah the prophet. 
Now, what time are we talking about? We're talking around 740 to 680 BC, where this man called Isaiah was kind of like a pastor, but he was a prophet in that sense, and he was bringing words, he was speaking words over what was a divided group of people. There was the northern kingdom and there was the southern kingdom. Uh, Israel had split into two, and Isaiah was often speaking a prophetic word amongst the people. The people weren't walking with God, but they were God's covenant people, but they were doing their own thing, and God was speaking into that, reminding them of, uh, through this prophet of what was to come. And, and in a period of time where there was lots of unrest, uh, there was political maneuverings, there was the fear of other countries coming in and beginning to possibly carry some of these people off into exile, Isaiah was at that point in time. You know, if you've been with us over the past uh, couple of months, we, we, we were in a, the book called Daniel, and, and we were dealing with a period of time where the southern kingdom had been carried off into cap Babylonian captivity. Well, Isaiah was some 125 years prior to that, and he was speaking of what was to come. And as he writes to this group of people, he writes, uh, if you've got your Bibles in Isaiah chapter 8, he writes these words that weren't really encouraging words. In verses 5 and 8, he says, Then the Lord spoke to me again and said, The people of Judah have rejected my gentle care, and they are rejoicing over what will happen to King Rezin and King Pekah. Therefore, the Lord will overwhelm them with a mighty flood from the Euphrates River. The king of Assyria and, and, all, his, and all his mighty armies. This flood will overflow all its channels and sweep into Judah. It will submerge Emmanuel's land from one end to the other. Isaiah's telling them what's going to happen. You see, he spoke to the king of Judah on numerous occasions, and unfortunately, like many of those other kings, there was good kings and there was bad kings, but the king of Judah at this point endeavored to be wise in his own eyes, and so the prophet Isaiah speaks those words and says, you know what, if you don't listen to God, then this is what is going to happen. Now, this would have been pretty tough news to receive. And I am sure that some of those people living in that time are asking the question, is there any hope? Where is hope going to come from? What are we to do in that situation? And as Isaiah chapter 8 finishes telling us that it's going to get darker and darker and darker, Isaiah chapter 9 opens with the promise of hope. And this is what Isaiah says. Speaking of something that's still to come in the future, he said, Nevertheless, or in spite of what I've just said, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. What's Isaiah saying here? He's kind of speaking of what is still yet to come. And he is speaking into this divided kingdom, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And he is saying, you know what? Into the northern kingdom, there's going to be the might of this Assyrian army that's going to come. And it's going to drag all of you out of that kingdom. And it's going to carry you off into Assyrian exile. But don't give up. There is a day, there is a, there is a future day of hope that is coming. It was a promise. That even though this is going to happen, the prophet is saying that uh, in light of this, but God in his mercy... Uh, he is reminding them that this group of people that were living up there, that even though this might happen to them, in the future, they would be the first to see of the lights of this Messiah. And then the prophet, the prophet went on to say these words. He said, the people, verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. 
For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Isaiah is telling them of a coming wonder, of a coming light, of a light that would pierce through all this darkness and despair. They don't know when it's coming, but it's the promise of what is still yet to come. And it's, this is without a doubt a, a, foretelling, a foretelling of this Messiah that would come who, who spoke a number of different I am statements. In fact, on one occasion in the Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 8, he said, I am the light of the world. Isaiah is telling this group of people some several hundred years beforehand that, the, that a time is coming when the light of the Messiah would penetrate the darkness of their sin and would bring light and order and hope to their lives. A day of hope was coming. Now, Isaiah doesn't just stop there. He goes on to talk about the sense of joy and gladness that all these people will receive because of this coming Messiah. In verse 3, he goes on to say, you will enlarge the nation of Israel, speaking of what the Messiah will do, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people, rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. Verse 4, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Isaiah is telling the people, he is promising them that God will break the yoke of their slavery. He will release those who have been bound in captivity and he will set the people free from the rod or the whips of their oppressors. In other words, Isaiah is offering hope to this group of people. Gee, I feel like we live in a day today where we still need hope, hey? People are looking for hope all over the place. They're, you know, they're asking the question, is there any hope these words of Isaiah weren't just for God's covenant people. They are also words for people today. Well, I'm sure they must have been wondering at this point, well, how is all of this going to happen? Well, Isaiah goes on to kind of tell them what will happen. Isaiah pins the, this hope of future victory on the, and the complete turnaround of their circumstances on the birth of a child who would be fully God and fully man. In verses 6 and 7, he says these words, For a child is born to us, and a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Was this wishful thinking? You know, uh, we all hope for things at different times, don't we? And for most of us, our hope today is, it's really this kind of, just, it's a wish. It's a, it's a hope that maybe it might happen, but we don't have any guarantee that it's going to happen. You know, think, for example, uh, you know, at certain times, a farmer might say, gee, I wish it really, you know, I've got my crop, you know, I, I, I hope it's going to rain. It's kind of this wishful hope, there's no guarantee, but it's a wishful hope that maybe the rain would now come and begin to uh, nurture and to grow the seed that's been planted in the ground. Uh, it's a bit like, you know, maybe we go on holidays and we go, you know what, gee, I hope we're going to get some glorious weather at the beach. Uh, you know, we want to get down there. We want to be able to put our, you know, our towels out and sit around in the sun and swim. And we don't want to get down there and find that the beach has been windswept, it's cloudy and it's miserable and it's raining. There is this hope. It will, it's a wishful kind of thinking. But is this the kind of uh, hope that Isaiah is talking about? 
Well, no, Isaiah is actually being incredibly definitive. He's actually saying what this child will do. He is declaring in this, in, in this statement here that this child was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that the entrance of this child into our world would completely change everything. You know, if you go back into Isaiah chapter 7, the prophet speaks about this child just in one verse. In Isaiah seven fourteen. he says, The Lord himself will give you this sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. You know, that name Emmanuel simply means God with us. And so the prophet is saying to these people, to the Jewish people, that hope was coming. God was about to cross the cosmos and to enter into their world and that they would never have to walk through life alone ever again. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I have this uh, difficult privilege, maybe you put it in those words because it really is a privilege, of walking with people through some of the darkest moments of their lives. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I often do, you know, you get to do lots of weddings, but you also get to do funerals and to be with people in those difficult moments uh, and, you know, uh, I remember in the early years of my ministry, we're going back 26 plus years now, so, you know, those days when I first started, that you'd be in those situations and, and one of the natural things, it's an instinct of a, I think of a, of a shepherding heart where you want to just step into that and to resolve or you want to help people in their moment of hope. You want to help try and turn things around. One of the things that I think I've learnt maybe after 26 years of ministry is that I can't solve anything. But you know the one thing that I can bring into those situations that is so much more important than anything else I might ever do, it's to remind them of the hope or the gift of hope, the, the gift of God's Son, the, the presence of Emmanuel who was God with us in those moments of our lives. That's the hope of Christmas. You see, he's the one constant, and we can know this hope for our lives. Now, years ago, uh, uh, a story was told of a very wealthy man who was very wealthy, and he was a widow, but he had one child, and one of the passions of this very wealthy man was collecting arts, and uh, over the years, as his boy was young, they would go to different events where they would purchase famous pieces of art, Van Gogh, Monet, Picasso, and as time went on, his son developed a, a passion for art as well. Well, his son grew up and they grew together, uh, they became very close, but uh, as it would happen, uh, a war engulfed the nation and this young boy went off to, to war. Broke his dad's heart in that process, but uh, sometime later, a telegram, that dreaded telegram, came to the dad to tell him that his one son, his only son, had died in battle. Well, some time later, on a Christmas day, there was a knock on his door. This man went to the door to find this uh, young soldier who was standing there with a gift and said, uh, uh, I, I, I knew your son, I was a friend of your son's. In fact, uh, I was the young man that your son was carrying to the medic tent when he was tragically killed. And I'm just wondering whether I could come in because I've got a gift for you. The man led him into the house and they sat down and they began to talk. In the course of time, he, he handed to this man his gift and the man began to unwrap the gift and it was a picture of his son. 
with a, stun, a stunning resemblance. It was no priceless piece of art, but this young man who had, uh, his life had been saved had done a picture, had done a painting, and he had turned up to gift it to his father. Well, as the story is told, some many years later, this old man now became ill and died. Word soon got out that the estate, it was selling uh, the, the pictures, that the artistic work that had been collected by this, this man and his son over the years, and they were now all up for sale. And so as word got out and people came, uh, there was a sense of excitement on this day that people were going to be able to get some incredible pieces of work from you know, uh, Picasso and Monet and Van Gogh. And, and as they gathered in the room, the auctioneer stood to the, to the, to the table and he said, um, the auction is about to begin, but before we sell anything else, there is one item that has to be sold first. It wasn't on the list, but the auctioneer puts it on the, the stand and says, is there anybody who would give me an opening bid of $100 for the picture of this man's son? And the room just went quiet, silence. This wasn't a famous piece of art. That's not what they were there for. And in this awkward silence, suddenly somebody yelled out and said, you know what, we don't want, no one's interested in this picture. We don't care about this picture. We want the other artwork. To which the auctioneer said, well, we can't actually sell any of the other artwork until we take care of this piece first. It was just silence. And what must have seemed like Several minutes, suddenly there was a voice from somewhere in the back of the room who said, you know what, I'll give you $100 for that picture. People looked around and most of them would not have known, but it was a friend of the father who knew the son. The auctioneer looked around and said, does anyone want to make an extra offer on that? It was just silent. And so eventually the, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, gone, sold to that man at the back of the room. People began to murmur. There was a sense, okay, we're going to get on with uh, what we came here for. And then the auctioneer moved back to the front of the room. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just here to tell you that the auction is done. To which there was an outcry. What do you mean it's done? It can't be done. There's still a whole bunch of paintings that are here to be purchased. To which the auctioneer said at that point in time, he said, uh, as part of the will of the estate, whoever takes the son gets the lot. You see, I think that story, albeit in just a very small way, kind of captures the hope of what Isaiah was talking about and the hope of Christmas. You see, whoever gets the Son, whoever takes or receives the Son, gets it all. The Apostle John, who was one of the disciples who was there with the son, who spent you know, uh, three years of his life with Jesus. In the latter years of his life, actually wrote about the gift of God's son. And in, the, in his book of 1 John chapter 5, he writes these words. He said, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. In other words, John's saying, you know, we can have hope for eternal life because, God, because Jesus is the hope of Christmas. You see, the child that Isaiah prophesied about, that spoke about, who, who told to that group of people that there is one that is coming, 
He truly was the hope of the world. He was the hope for Israel, and he was the hope for all the Gentiles. He's still the hope for our lives today. And so I wonder, you know, as we begin to kind of move into this Christmas season, what is it that you are hoping for this Christmas? See, as I look around our community, and I move in different places, chaplain of the Bendigo, you know, of South Bendigo Football Netball Club, as I move around our church community, as I, as I look around our own state and nation and what's happening around the globe, it doesn't take much to realize that there's a whole bunch of people out there that are troubled, they're in turmoil, and they're facing all kinds of despair. And while our days might be different to the group of people that were living there in the kingdom of Judah, in that southern kingdom, or in that, north, in that divide of the northern and southern kingdoms. Yeah. It doesn't take you too much to realize that people are still today looking like they were, they are still looking for hope today. They're longing for hope. And maybe in some way, you sit here in this room, or maybe you're online today, and you're asking one of those same questions. Is there any and you need to hear today the promise of God's Son, the, 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 the prophetic words of Isaiah who promised Emmanuel, God, with us. Not only for us, but to us and amongst us. There's been a lot of Christmases now for me as a pastor where, you know, you come into this season, and I love this season, it's one of my favorite seasons. But if you're anything like me, it can be incredibly difficult to try and imagine what that very first Christmas was like. Or even to take yourself back to the time of Isaiah where, where this word was being spoken and, and people were being promised that there was one that was going to come. But you know, imagine being in, the main, or in that stable scene on that very first Christmas, trying to get your head around that this baby that had just been born that was God who had crossed the cosmos to, to be with us. You know, as difficult as that is for us to understand, the birth of that child is the reminder of God's greatest gift to us, a gift of hope. And just as, as, it, was, uh, just as it was meant to be an encouragement back 2,500 years ago, it's still an encouraging word today. It's, it's God with us, it's God for us, and it's God amongst us. God's gift of hope to this world. And I think that explains why a man from maybe not this last century, but not that long ago, a man by the name of Philip Brooks wrote these words of hope that describe what happened on that night in that swollen city of Bethlehem. And I'm sure you probably know these words. He wrote and said, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now, what is it that you are hoping for this Christmas? See, this Christmas we can place our hope in the perfect family gathering. I mean, it's great to be together with family, isn't it? We can place our hope in the, in the perfect family gathering or we can place it uh, in the most perfect Christmas gift or we can bow and worship 
the living hope who delivers everything that he promises and so much more. I'm convinced that that's the kind of hope that helps a fatherless child in the country of Afghanistan. And I am certainly convinced that that's the kind of hope that gets families through a tough time when they've lost loved ones. And it's this kind of hope that answers the question, is there any hope? For those of us who might be asking today, is there any hope? And Isaiah and John would tell us, absolutely, yes, there is. He is God with us, he is God for us, and he is God amongst us. You know, someone once said, and I'm not sure who said this, but you can never truly enjoy Christmas until you look up into the Father's face and you can tell him, you can honestly tell him that you've embraced and received his Christmas gift, the gift of his son. So I've got to ask you, those of us that are in this room and those that are online, in the lead up to Christmas, have you received that gift? Have you received the gift of God's Son? Have you made room in your heart for Him? Because there's never uh, the right moment. The right moment is right now to make that decision. It's not like, well, maybe I'll make that decision someday or I will get there at some point. The decision is right now. And I wanted to say to us, as a, as a, as a pastor, I, I want to share with you there is no greater gift that you could ever uh, be given and that you could ever receive for your own life than the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And maybe for some of us today, here in this room or online, we know that's the gift that we've got to receive. And it's as simple as, as saying, Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I thank you for crossing that cosmos and coming and living and dwelling amongst us and uh, giving up your life so that I might truly find the life, that your light might just beam into my world. And I want to know you. You see, it's an honest prayer from an honest heart that says that. That's the kind of prayer that Emmanuel, God with us, wants to answer still today. Do you need to make room in your heart for Jesus as we come into this Christmas season? It's the best gift you could ever get. It's the gift of God's Son, the gift of hope, Emmanuel, God with us. Hey, would you join me as I pray, here and online? Let's pray. Loving God, Emmanuel, we thank you for your presence amongst us. God, thank you that you made that decision. You fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You're not just a God who gives promises and takes them away. You fulfilled that promise. And so we thank you today that you were willing to send your son, that he crossed the cosmos and he came and lived and dwelt amongst us. And I want to pray for anybody that might sit here in this room or might be listening online who's actually wanting to make room in their heart for you this Christmas. Would you fill them with your hope? And would you please forever change their lives? Father, we're quite a few days out from when we will celebrate Christmas, but we pray that in this season that you would be honored as we gather to celebrate in different ways the birth of your gift of hope into our world, our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing and respond.